0: Welcome to the Friendship Missionary Baptist Church podcast of Vallejo, California. I'm so glad that you are tuned in to Friendship Missionary Baptist Church where we know we are the place to be. Our pastor is Justin Lester, and we're so grateful that you've tuned in to hear the word of God today. The word you're gonna hear today is going to enliven you, to stretch you to be all that God's called you to be. We believe that God has called us as Christ-led liberators to love Jesus, to heal people, to serve Vallejo, and to build community. You are in tune for a life-changing word from God today. If you want to learn more about FNBC, go to befmbc.org. You can give there, you can grab more information about the church and see what it means and the plan of salvation to be a part of FNBC. Now with all that out of the way, let's jump into the word of God and see what God has to say to us today. First Peter chapter 4, Hallelujah. When they saw that God keeps his word, they rejoiced. Even if that means destruction. First Peter chapter four says these words. Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves with the same attitude because whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. As a result, they don't live the rest of their earthly lives for evil human desires, but you live for the will of God for you have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans do living in debauchery lust drunkenness orgies carousing and detestable idolatry they are surprised you do not join with them in their reckless wild living and they heap abuse on you but they will have to give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead for this is the reason the gospel was preached even to those who are now dead so that they may be judged according to human standards in regards to the body but live according to god in regard to the spirit the end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sin. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. And if anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength that God provides. So that in all things, someone say all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and power forever and ever. Somebody just repeat after me. Say, Lord, Lord, I want want to be consistent. consistent. You may be seated even in the presence of the Lord. I want to be consistent. We're in the Bible app. I know we had some issues earlier, but we're in the Bible app. In version. you click on more. Then click on events. You can follow along with us. And uh, you can give anytime. Giving will be after our sermon today, but you can give at any time online if you wish to. Thank you all so very much for your generosity to friendship here this morning. And to all of our e church guests today, listen, um, Thursday at 7 o'clock on our Zoom room, uh, we will love to engage with all of our e church members. I'd love to meet you. I know a number of you live all over. I met some of you from various places like funerals and. uh, um, different community outreach and those of you in vegas and la all of that i love to meet you this thursday let's jump into the word of god today so first peter chapter four remember peter is writing to a group of mature christians to rebuild this community of christians and in this chapter he's addressing not just the relationships they have with themselves as chapter three but he's addressing the relationship they have with gentiles speak to chapter three on march 26 is black marriage sunday and so we're going to take time March 26th to actually honor relationships. We'll do something for singles as well. We're going to honor relationships. And I want to say this. If you've got a complicated situationship, bring them to church on March 26th. And we're going to walk through the word of God in First Peter chapter 3. Amen, somebody. And we're going to walk through the word of God. I'm excited to do so. And so chapter 3, he's addressing interpersonal at-home relationships about what it really means for husbands and wives to work together. And then in chapter 4, he wants to address really their pride because of their relationship with Gentiles. He writes this to individuals who had idols. They're former heathens, if you will. Heathens literally mean people who worshiped idols against God. So they're people who used to worship idols, and Paul, Peter wants to address this. So he begins by writing, I want you to see this, First Peter chapter 4, verse number 1. Here's how he starts it off. Peter starts this off by saying this, we are to take the view, the attitude that Jesus took of death. And that is, he says this, since Christ suffered in his body, the wording there is that since Jesus defeated sin, arm yourselves. The word there is to think. So since Jesus defeated sin, think the same way about sin. In essence, put to death sin. Now, hear this very clearly. Not sinning. This is not just a matter of, like, stop doing something. Literally, it's saying the mindset that makes you okay to sin in the first place. Put Put to death all sin, the authority related to sin, the mindset of sin, all the relatives of sin, the friends of sin. Put to death sin. And the death, really, in a real sense, the death of our flesh when we are died and buried into the grave, that literally puts a stop to sin in our flesh. And what Peter is saying here is it shouldn't wait till we die in the grave to stop sinning. <laughs> this is the same language that Jesus uses when he's on the cross. And he says, tell it is finished. He literally told sin, you're dead. And so we are not asked, Peter is not telling us to go to Calvary and to die on the cross. He's literally saying that because Jesus put sin to death, we are to take on that same mindset. Hear me. There is nothing that sin can give you to make your life better. I'm going to talk to y'all Anglicans today. I said there is nothing if Satan's goal is to still kill and destroy. There is no life that can come from anything that Satan hands out to you. Okay. There is nothing Satan can give you that can equate the authority of Jesus I'm gonna say this again I'm gonna say it because some of y'all ain't y'all like well pastor let's think about it no there is nothing that can come from Satan literally in Genesis chapter 2 the Bible says that God was walking in Eden and Adam and Eve said ooh apple because something from this snake is better than God in the garden how many times is God walking by us? Ooh, sex. Ooh, sin. Ooh, pride. Ooh, ego. Ooh, my. How many times is God walking by you and we say yes to something that is against the very thing? So here's the thing, questions I want to ask you. This sermon is not for the people who aren't here. Oh, you better tell them. I'm telling you. So number one, here's my first question. What sins are you actively practicing? Be honest with yourself. Don't, don't, mm, don't do that. Be honest with yourself. What sins, like pride, what, what's greed, gluttony, what sins are you, con- like, you try to dress up to sanctify? There's nothing to come from it to make you better with Jesus. Number two, what sins are you comfortable to see other people do? Mm-hmm. At least I'm not them. Well, you know, it's a sin you're practicing. There is nothing that can come from Satan that will give you life. So here's what Peter says. This because we know that to be true. And if we just, how do we take on that mindset? Let me help you. Look at verses two through six. Here's the first principle. So how do I take on that mindset? Number one, quit thinking like Satan. All right. Look at verses two through six. It's just in the text. Quit thinking like Satan. So how does Satan think? Look at the text. As a result, they do not live the rest of their earthly lives for human evil, desi- evil human desires, but the will of God. You have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and detestable idolatry. They are surprised you don't join in their reckless while living. They heap abuse on you. They will have to give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this reason, the gospel was preached even to those who are now dead, so that they may be judged according to human standards in regard to the body, but live according to God in regard to the spirit. Here's what this text is doing. It's these verses are dressing head-on judgmental Christianity. Malachi chapter 2 says this, that when we judge other people, we are literally kicking God off his throne and putting us on his throne. Malachi chapter 2, we are literally putting us in God's seat. And we are telling God that when we judge somebody else, we are telling God, God, I know your thoughts about them, but my thoughts are better. Malachi chapter 2 says that when we do so, we are literally telling God, your ways are not good enough. And when I judge someone, I'm telling God, God, I'll figure it out because you're gonna give them too much grace. And so Peter is saying we cannot be judgmental Christians. So he says, I understand, Christians, as you are the minority in this community, as you are trying to attempt to build the church, it is easy because the majority of people in this community don't like that you have this faith in this Jesus we saw 30 years ago. And so these Gentiles want to learn about Jesus, and you're mad that the majority of people are telling you what you're doing is foolish. Don't take out your anger at what people are saying about you on those who want to know more about Jesus. You are taking out your frustration on people who want to learn how to not be frustrated. Okay, so how do we do this? Look at the text. So why should we not think like Satan? Why should we not be judgmental Christians? Why should we not do it? Well, look at the text. Verse 2 says, number one, because we live for something more. Look at the text. We are living for the will of God, not evil human desires. It's the text. Verse 3 and 4, the reason I ought not think like Satan, number 2, is because we had that life before. Look at the text. You can act, y'all can act like y'all got halos under y'all dashikis today. But look at the text. The text says, verse number 3, that in the past, you spent enough time doing what pagans did. Yeah. Debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, cruising, and idolatry. You can act all holy if you want to. But the reason I can name five different dances and three different bars, and y'all be like, ooh, I know where that is. We talk about certain sins in church. You know what the the text says. We had that life before Jesus. If you don't believe me, let's talk about it. So number one, what debauchery is. Debauchery in that text literally is repeated acts of sin. Not a bad college party. It's repeated acts of sin. And the word in the Greek here is outrageous, repeated acts of sin. Then he says excess wine. So let me tell you this. Remember this. When it comes to wine in Scripture, wine at times was better to drink than regular water because of the amount of bacteria that was in water in a lot of spaces. But here's what this excess meant. That meant you drank wine, but you drink it at dinner. You drink it with food because you offset what the wine would do to your body. Because too much wine or too much alcohol or too much weed coming into your body will control your decision making. Okay. So what they're saying here is, you know what it's like to drink wine with a meal, but this is outside of banquets. So you are just excess drinking something that will change how you act. You can blame it on the goose all you want to, but you knew full and well that third shot was going to take you out. I wish I talked to somebody. I ain't scared of none of y'all today. Then he says, abominable idolatries. These idolatries in the text, remember he's talking to converts from heathenism. So he's saying literally that you had you worshiped other idols. So he's saying you, they're abusing you, they're talking about you because they don't find you with them anymore. Because the reason we know where certain sin occurs is because you were there when it happened. But here's the good news. The reason you can heal that sin is because you can talk about how God healed you from it. The issue to us, church people get so mad when the wrong people get saved. And who are the wrong people, Pastor Justin? I'm not talking sex, drugs, and alcohol. The wrong people are the ones who know your past. You don't want them here. Oh, no, you don't. You don't. You'll invite everybody else at work, but not that one person who knows what happened at the Christmas party in 2006. Like, you'll invite everybody else, but you'll invite everybody who won't tell anybody in church about what you did in college. You'll invite everybody else, but that what is the worst thing that happens to church people is when the wrong people get saved. But maybe God has us to be like the people in First Peter. Maybe I need the wrong person to tell me about my story. Because I'm healed enough from that story to tell the story that the reason why the devil can't bother me about what I used to do is because God healed me. And I'll tell you the story that if it had not been for God on my side... But let me tell you why he was on my side. Let me tell you what I did while he was on my side. Let me tell you what I thought while he was on my side. But I thank God I don't want to know where I would be. I thank God that I'm not where I should be, but I'm on the side of grace because though, as though while we were yet sinners, Christ died. So I can't think like Satan because I used to, but God has healed me. And the last part of that, the reason I can't think like Satan, is because I don't need to do the hard work of salvation. <laughs> God does the hard work. That's what the text says. I can lead you to water, and God's going to tell you how good the water tastes. Yes, Look at the text. The text says, it is not our responsibility to judge the sins of other people. I'm going to say that again for the folk in the back who don't act like it heard. And I'm going to say it again for the folk on the live stream who want to act like the sound just went out. It is not your responsibility to judge the sins of other people. You know why? Because the same gospel that was preached to you, your responsibility is to preach that gospel. Okay, that's, that's it. Because when we judge others, we are inconsistent Christians. Christians are called to reflect Jesus At all times, for all reasons, at any cost to get the loss. We are not just called to reflect the parts of Jesus we like. Okay. Because some of us like the Jesus who turns over tables. We don't like the Jesus who says, pray for those who despitefully use you. I love the Jesus who like, you know, heals the sick and raises the dead and makes me feel all goosebumpy. I don't like the Jesus... That says bring all the tithes of the storehouse. Oh, a matter of fact, don't bring tithes. I'm sorry, that's Old Testament because, you know, that's the Old Covenant. But Jesus says if you want to talk about giving in the New Covenant, bring everything. You want to have a conversation about giving. He, he says, I, I want you to be all, because that's what death is. When life gets too big in the body, death occurs. Because Jesus is saying, I don't want anyone to get confused as to who I am. And when I call you home, because you are living and acting like me, we don't have to ask the question, what would Jesus do? The world can see us. Okay. you Don't believe me. Go to Acts chapter 11. I want to show you this. Go to Acts 11. Go to Acts chapter 11. I'll show you in Scripture. The goal of our faith is to reflect Jesus. Acts chapter 11, verse number 26. Acts 11, verse number 26. Look at the text. If you don't have this text highlighted, underlined, I want you to see here, the first time we see a word in Scripture they were in Antioch, and this was a satirical word. So the text says, Acts 11, verse 12, 26. When he found them, he brought them to Antioch. And for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught a great number of people. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. It was a satirical word. They literally gave them this word, Christianus. They gave them this word to make fun of the disciples. Right. The word literally means little Christ. Yeah. They're saying, ugh, Y'all look too much like Jesus. We're going to call you Christians. You act like Jesus. Why are y'all healing the sick, raising the dead, forgiving people? You look too much like Jesus, you Christians. Y'all crazy little Christians out here forgiving people. Y'all crazy Christians out here caring about the sick. You Christians, this was an insult. What is the nickname your family would give you about your faith? you look too much like Jesus? Would your family say that you're a Christian? I'm not talking what you do on Sunday. What would your coworkers say? Would your coworkers look at you and say, you little Christ? You little Jesus walking around here, praying and fasting at any time? You little Jesus walking around here, making sure that people know who God is? The text says our goal is to be so bold about Jesus that the world looks at us and says, you're Christian. You, you want to be. Like, you. we are compelled because of the life, the death, the burial, the resurrection, and the second coming of Jesus to walk in step with the will of God. To trust the will of God. We are challenged not to live like the Gentiles, but invite the Gentiles into worship with us. Why? Because God does the heart. Ho- How dare we say that someone can't worship with you? How dare we say? that our church is too good for somebody to come to worship. How dare we say that a Gentile cannot come and worship with you? If I'm going to be like Jesus, I invite everybody, the rich and the poor, the dressed and the unclothed, because I want to be like Jesus. So how do we do this? Look at verses 7 through 11, 1 Peter 4. I'm almost done. The end is near, verse 7 says. Therefore, be alert and sober-minded so you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sin. Offer hospitality to one another without complaining. Each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in various forms. And if anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very word of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength that God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Christ Jesus. So here's what I want to show you. This is twofold. The reason we can be consistent Saints and Christians. Number one, because we were consistent sinners. Okay. you were really, really good at sin. You cannot. I know. I'm super sad. No, you're not. No, you. You were really, really good. We knew how to sin. We knew what to do to sin. We knew how to hide sin. We knew how to make sure sin tasted good. We could justify sin. You can justify gluttony all you want to. You can justify it. But you know full and well how to be a really good sinner. So I don't have any life coaching tips to give you about how to be a consistent Christian. You are a consistent sinner. So take what you did consistently in sin and give it over to Jesus. Okay. Okay. You know the time of week you have to give over to God. You, okay, we talk about gluttony. It's not just food. You know you sat down and watched the whole season of Real Housewives of Atlanta. Not just one episode. Not just two episodes. But you got popcorn, sat down, gave eight hours to Real Housewives. But I don't know. I can't find time to talk to Jesus. What? I just, I don't know. I don't know. Like, I don't know what to do. Like, oh, my God. I don't know, God. Like, do you, do you care? You are really consistent at other things. And then we receive grace. So be consistent in grace because we were consistent without it. Okay. So number two, we can be consistent saints. We can be. Oh, church people, we can be really amazing Christians if we really wanted to. We received grace, but we don't give grace. Because here's what First Peter says. Here's where we're consistent as Christians. We are really consistent in judging others, complaining, and harming people. That's the scriptures. I'm not making it up. We are really consistent in judging other people. Like, for some reason, we don't live our own lives, so we can tell other people how to live their lives. Like, you don't like you, but you're telling everybody else how to love themselves. What? You apply for the job. Well, I don't know. But you're telling them. No, you, we judge other people so bad. We complain about everything. I mean, you get dressed up, get in your car, drive to a restaurant, sit down at the restaurant, and complain the whole time. Music too loud. People talking too much. My steak probably going to be undercooked anyway. I don't like the food here. Why do we come here? You got all this money to come and sit. $50 on a piece of food to complain the entire time. Oh, we come to church. And we love complaining. Uh I have a journal I keep. I do. It's not even funny. It's in my car. I keep a journal of all the complaints I get every Sunday. I do. Because every time I leave out of church, like 20 things are just terrible. The church is going to hell. Everybody sucks. Everything's terrible, right? And I had to ask myself the question as I was preparing this. I said, you know what? I was having a conversation with someone. I said, what is so bad about friendship? No, 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 no. Let's have a conversation. Can I get complaints? You're going to complain to me after church. My God passed Your shirt didn't do this. Blah, blah. No, no. Let's talk about it. Because we're reaching right now about 200 people. On our live stream, in this room, we sit 500 or so. This room is about 75% full. I know churches that don't see more than 12. I thank God. I think, yo, we have our churches open every single day of the week. We're doing ministry that people from around the country are asking, "How in the world is it done?" People stop by daily, asking Steve, "How do you do technical work?" People ask our leaders, "How do you do work? How can we be intergenerational?" Because we have six generations that go to. Fred Friendship. Why are we complaining all the time? You got dressed up to come to church to be mad? Let me tell you what that is, according to the text. It's sin. Uh Uh-uh, come here. I'm up here. And if you don't like me, I'm 6'5", 330. We can fight about it all you want to. I said, it's sin. We love harming people. Your car is better than somebody else's car. Your job. is We, we, We love putting down people. Peter says it's sin because what it does, you can take that same energy and put it towards building the body of Christ. What if, what if every coworker that you talked about last week, you took time and went to coffee with them? No, think about it. I want you to think about the text messages you sent about that coworker, the phone calls you had, the the water cooler meetings, the emails you sent about them, the meetings you're probably going to have about that coworker, all the energy you gave over the course of 168 hours to talk about a person. What if you took them out to eat, prayed over their children, asked them how they're doing, asked them what their prayer points are, but you gave all this energy to harm them? What if the same energy you give to complain about the church, everything's terrible, the church going to hell. What if you gave all this energy you complain about the church, all the meetings you have, the phone calls you have, the text messages you send, the Facebook messages you send, the videos you create, the statuses you write. What if you gave that same energy to be here in prayer for the next 31 days? Just, I'm just curious. I'm just, I'm just curious. What if the same energy you use to judge people you don't know you gave to build the body of Christ with the person that you're so curious about? 1 Peter chapter 4 says, we are really good at being inconsistent. Yeah. So how do we get our consistency? Look at the text. If you're mad at me, my email is Pastor Justin, Pastor Lester at BFNBC.org. But my name is Justin Lester, and I approve this message. Yeah. Look at the text. Look at the text. It says this. So what do we do? He gives us this amazing structure. It's very simple. Do this, and here's why. Verse number one, have a consistent love for each other. Why? Because love covers a multitude of sin. Here's the issue. We love talking about uncovered people. Mm -hmm. Love covers sin. Not like. I got to like you, but I love you with the love of Christ. Love covers sin. Number two, be hospitable without complaining. Why? Because our responsibility is to steward grace. We are to give grace. Number three, speak the word of God. Why? Because you have the strength to glorify God. Let me tell you, God gave us 66 books on how to praise God. He trusted us with his word on how to praise him. And then we don't do it. My son turns six, May 25th. He reminds us every day he's about to turn six on May 25th. And Cam has told us that May 25th is a yes day. He's told us exactly how to celebrate him, where he wants to go, what he wants to eat, what he wants to wear, what I'm supposed to wear, what my wife is supposed to wear. He's told us May 25th is Camden Day, and he's told us exactly what he wants on his birthday because Camden has told us how to honor him. You have 66 books on how to honor God enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Well, it just, it don't take all that. I didn't tell you to do it. God literally said, if you want to honor me, enter into my gates with thanksgiving and come into my courts with praise. I wish God would give me a new job. Magnify the Lord with me. I wish God would hear my prayer. I encamp the praises of my people. So if you praise me a little bit, I'll show up. You want to know how to get the attention of God. He already told you. I gave you a manuscript on how to praise me. I will bless the Lord at all times. Why? Because he told me to. His praise will continually be in my mouth. Why? Because he told me to. My soul make her boast of the Lord. Why? Because he told me to. The humble's going to hear it and be glad. Why? Because he told me to. Oh, taste and see the Lord is good. Why? Because he told me to. And if I want to be blessed, I'm just going to do what God told me to do. God ain't that complicated. He said, if you want me, talk to me. And if you don't want me, then don't talk to me. Go ahead and free yo. Toss the text. It's to the point. And I like scriptures like this. I'm finished. I like scriptures like this because it's just to the point. We know this stuff. Like, we know. Like, come on. Like, I'm not here to beat anybody up. We know love, don't complain, don't hurt people. Like, we know that. Like we, like, we know. But we don't do it consistently. And the way the devil wins... Is the, devil's not win- the devil's not winning because we're out here doing these massive, terrible sins. He just knows that you don't have good boundaries. And so he sticks his foot in the door. And he's crouching at your door. He knows that our anger will consume us. So he makes sure that staff meeting is at 4 o'clock on Friday and sticks his foot in the door. <laughs> he knows that if you get overwhelmed, you'll make a bad decision. So he just sticks his foot in the door. Can I tell you this? I'm not here to beat you up, but I want to encourage us to get out of our flesh because I want to tell you, you will never arrive in your faith. You will never know everything there ever is to know about Jesus. Like you won't, like you just won't. And if you do, he literally says, your ways ain't my ways, your thoughts ain't my thoughts. So the moment you think you know me so well, I'll show you something new about me. You'll never know everything to know about God. Because the moment you learn more about him, he's like, oh, great. Let me show you an entire other ecosystem and solar system you didn't even know existed. You'll never know everything about every ministry and friendship. Because the moment you serve in every single one, God's like, great, start a new one. We are all students of the gospel. But our lack of consistency because we think we've arrived in our faith, our lack of consistency because I don't want to see grace at work, our lack of consistency because somebody sat in my seat, our lack of consistency because I don't want to read that book of the Bible, our lack of consistency causes us to think that we've arrived. And Paul says, let me tell you something, if there is one person in the entirety of all this thing who arrived and tells you it doesn't matter, Paul says, let me tell you a story. Go to Philippians 3. I want you to see this. I want, you to, I want to challenge this arrival in our faith. There is so much more about God. We haven't accessed because we think we've arrived. My grandma put it like this, because we smell in ourselves. Look at Philippians chapter 3, verse number 1. Philippians 3, verse number 1. I'm almost done. Philippians 3, verse number 1 says this. Furthermore, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write these things to you again. It's a safeguard. It's going to protect you. So here's what I want to do, how to protect you, watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh, for it is we who are of the circumcision, we serve a God by his spirit, we boast in Christ Jesus, and we put no confidence in our flesh. Paul says, though, I got some reasons to be confident in my flesh. Paul says, if anybody thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, Paul says, I got more. Let me tell you who I am. I was circumcised on the eighth day. I was of the people of Israel. I'm of the tribe of Benjamin. I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. In regard to the law, I'm a Pharisee. As for zeal, I persecuted the church. As for righteousness based on the law, I have no fault. But then Paul says, but whatever the world gave me, I consider loss for the sake of Christ. The word lost there is the word dung. He literally says, I consider it dung for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything lost. Because of the surpassing greatness of knowing Jesus as my Lord, for whose sake I have literally lost all things. I consider them garbage because I will gain Christ. And I much rather be found in Christ, not having any righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Jesus. See, what the text is saying here literally is everything we've gained in the world literally does not matter if I don't have Jesus. Here's what I think a lot of us have done. We've done one or two things. I think we've equated ourselves to Jesus so much like, you're such a planner. You're so amazing. You're so smart. We've equated ourselves to Jesus that we've got everything figured out that I don't need Jesus. Or you put yourself down so bad that you think Jesus can't get to you. So you find comfort in your anger, comfort in your frustration, comfort in your degrees, comfort in your intellect, comfort in your education, comfort in your social location, comfort in your power. Let me tell you something. All of us, no matter where we are in our lives, are extremely blessed by God. All of us are able to have a wonderful relationship with God. All of us have access to the throne of grace. We're just not consistent. And it's that lack of consistency that gives the devil a foothold. The devil isn't running rampant because we out here foolish in sin. He's running rampant because we're inconsistent. Because Jesus is great when he's convenient. But when he's inconvenient, then Satan has access. Because Jesus gets frustrating sometimes. I I find excuses not to engage with Jesus. I think negatively about myself. I give the devil access. So let's raise the bar of our faith. Because maybe the reason we don't appreciate the kingdom is because you're doing it without Jesus. Consider the disciples. In Luke chapter 5, the text says, the disciples one day, when Jesus found them, they were out and they were fishing. They were in the lake of Gennesaret, and they were out fishing. They were fishing all night long. Jesus comes in the middle of the day. You do not put your net out on the water in the middle of the day. He puts the net out on the water, and they catch all this fish. They come, and Jesus says, I'm going to make you fishers of men. Remember, they were fishermen. They go out. They become fishers of men. Jesus calls them. Then John 21 says, After Jesus died, was resurrected. Peter and John saw he was resurrected. He appeared to the disciples. He appeared to Thomas. John 21 says, after Jesus has been gone for a little while, look what these black disciples did. They said, listen, we going fishing. They go out to fish. Same thing happens. Get out to fish. They go out early in the morning. Go out to fish. Can't catch any fish. Bible says Jesus is on the shore. He says, friends, why don't you cast it on the other side? They cast it on the other side. Peter's like, oh, my God, that's Jesus. Maybe we should stop finding comfort in the thing he freed us from and trust him to be fishers of men. Jesus was without Jesus. They went back to where they failed because they were more comfortable fishing than trusting what Jesus called them to do. Christianity is the renewal of the mind, not the removal of the mind. You were smart before you met Jesus. Then you met Jesus and forgot how to do it for God's kingdom. You raised money before you met Jesus... Now you got now you can still raise money, but you don't want to help the church raise money for for buildings. You used to market operate you market organizations all day long, but you refuse to assist God's kingdom. You parent well, you lead well, you teach well. What if we took our fishing mentality and used it for the kingdom and didn't just go find comfort in what God freed you from? What is the fishing mentality that you refuse to give over to Jesus? That when Jesus gets uncomfortable, I'm going to run back to it. They ran back to what Jesus said I'm changing the purpose of. If Jesus were to make you mad, where are you going fishing? What club are you going to? Who are you calling? Who are you texting at 11 p.m. to have a conversation? Who's Domino's in your phone? Talking about Domino's calling you at 2 a.m. for what? I ain't scared none of y'all. What is the fishing that you haven't invited Jesus into? All right. They ran back to fish. Because let me tell you this, discipleship without discipline is just speculation. So I want to challenge us to consider the areas of our lack of consistency in faith. Here's what I know. We were consistent sinners. We can be consistent saints. We can point other people's sins out because we know what sin looks like. We can be consistent sinners givers of grace may we be consistent christians how do you do that here's the principle i'll give you remain a student of the scriptures remain a student of the scriptures if you ever think that you've learned everything you're lost if you're the sharpest knife in the drawer your life is a little dull Life never stops teaching, so never stop learning. So, here's a question I want to ask you What scriptures is, is God leading you to go back to because you were too arrogant to learn from them the first time? What is God trying to show you that you're constantly complaining about that God won't show you, that God is like, I'm trying to give you the answer? Remain a student of the scriptures, stay in your word, stay on your face. Because God is going to continue to unveil who he is to you. Secondly, repentance without replacement is a recipe for disaster. Okay, Repentance without replacement is a recipe for disaster. When I've been filled with sin and I give myself over to God, I repent unto God. I open doors for the glory of God. If I don't replace the joy I received from sin with the joy of the Lord, the grace of God, that's called restoration and sanctification. That if I repent without being sanctified, it's a recipe to fall right back into what I thought I freed myself from. Repentance opens portals to heaven. Repentance without replacing what you repented from with grace is a recipe for disaster. Because repentance is not suppression, it's removal. Too many of us have sins in our lives and we're treating it like a beach ball and we just keep pushing it down and pushing it down and pushing it down. Nobody sees it, nobody knows about it because I'm more concerned about what they think than God removing this thing from me. And the moment you begin to lift your hand, the moment you begin to find freedom in the world, all of a sudden everything that you push down has more pressure, and comes all the way back out again. And we fall right back into what got you into this in the first place. My challenge to you is pop the beach ball. Repentance is not suppression. It's removal. But God loves me so much that he doesn't just hide it. He strips it from me. And the reason Satan can't stand some of us is because Satan keeps trying to remind you of things that God has given you authority to talk about. No, you can't tell me how bad I am. I'll tell you what God did for me. You can't tell me what God done in my life. I'm going to tell you, this was the sin I enjoyed, but this is the grace I received. I'm not just repressing or suppressing. I'm telling you, this is where I was, but look at what God did in my life. And if it had not been for God, I'd still be suppressing. But I thank God that grace still works. I thank God that mercy is still real. And my testimony still becomes amazing grace shall always be my soul song of praise. Why? For it was grace that bought my liberty. I shall not know why he loved me so. But here's what he did do. He looked beyond all of my faults and met every one of my needs. Am I talking anybody in the building who can get out your bougie self and begin to thank God if you only knew the skeletons in my closet? Matter of fact, some of you ain't got skeletons in your closet. Some of y'all open the door, you drop in bodies. But you can thank God that the same God that healed you before, I've got authority and the reason Satan can't stand you is that he's got no authority over your story. So I ain't gonna shut up about my testimony. God brought me out. God found me out. God brought me over. God brought me through. God healed my marriage. God healed my children. God restored me after abuse. God kept me from my past. So I give God glory every time I have a chance to because baby, you just don't know what he freed me from. But let me tell you, he kept me in the midnight hour. He restored my mind when I lost my mind. So I refuse to give the devil power to make me shut up. I'm going to keep telling you this is how good God is. What sins in your life are you putting a band-aid on The God says, oh, no, baby baba, We're going to kill that thing and I'm going to let you live to tell the story because the shout, hallelujah, some of us ought to have is that I'm alive to tell the story. Okay. If I hoop that, a whole bunch of y'all will be shouting. If I scream that, a whole bunch of y'all will be praising God. So I'm going to say it again for the folk who know the truth. The truth and the shout I have is that I'm alive to even tell my story. Okay. Okay. I don't Okay. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to tell you my own. I tried to kill myself twice. I'm alive to tell my story. Okay. Cancer should have killed you a long time ago. But you alive to tell your... I'm going to keep going because y'all ain't getting it. That abuse should have killed you a long time ago. But you alive You were in the hospital a long time ago. You know what alcohol did to your liver. You know what that cigarette did to your lung. But somebody ought to give God praise that I'm alive to tell my story. So this is my story and this is my song. I'm praising my savior. Don't tell me to shut up because I'm praising my savior. Do you know what God did for me? He brought me out, he set me free, blessed assurance. Jesus is mine Oh what a foretaste Of glory divine I'm an heir of salvation I've been purchased by blood Born of his spirit washed in his blood So don't you tell me not to praise him Perfect submission All is at rest I am my savior Am happy and blessed Watching and waiting Looking above you ever let somebody tell you your story doesn't matter do you know what I went through for these scars do you know what I overcame for these scars I'm gonna tell you God will heal messed up marriages God will heal messed up children God will heal messed up homes God will restore messed up churches God will restore messed up schools God will restore messed up people and I'm a witness that God will restore you So I'm gonna say this and take my seat the blood still works I'm trying not to shout because y'all are looking at me crazy but the blood still works the blood still works my grandma said it reaches to the highest mountain okay and it and it flows to the to the lowest mountain somebody got happy and said what can wash away my sin my bills didn't wash it away my degree didn't wash it away my finances didn't wash it away but what can wash away my sin go ahead high five somebody who looked like they came to have church and tell them nothing but the blood of Jesus what can make me whole again nothing but the blood oh is that flow that makes me I didn't want to be but it made me white as snow no other fount I know nothing I wish I had a church that could shout on the blood I wish I had a church that would shout on the blood I ain't got nothing else to give you I wish I had somebody I can thank God for the blood. Thank Him 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 for the blood. I'm going to stay right there. The choir does said, sing hallelujah, but I wish I had somebody who can thank him, thank him for the blood. Thank him for the blood. Thank him for the blood. I'm a gospel preacher. I ain't got a whole bunch to give you. <laughs> but I know he took some red blood. I'm trying to get out of that put it on my black heart and washed it whiter than snow. So it is no secret, God, what God can do. What he's done for others, he'll do for you too. Because the blood still works. The blood still works. I can't leave that, the blood still works. The blood still works. I'm trying to leave that alone, the blood still works. I'm trying not to shout, the blood still works. I wish I had somebody if it had not been for the blood that washed you clean so he was wounded for me he died for me he stayed dead for me he got up for me cause the blood still yes it does yes it does yes it does Don't you ever let somebody tell you it don't take all that, baby, if you only knew what I put myself in. It takes all of that. It takes my lashes falling off. It takes my heels breaking sometimes. It takes me sweating through suits sometimes. Cause baby, if you were in the hospital with me, you shout for me. But since you weren't there, I'll shout by myself. Because when I look back over my life and see how God brought me out, I've got to give God praise that the blood still works. Y'all excuse me now, I feel like having church, and if you don't want to have church, forget the bougie folk, but where my party people at, who got a testimony on the inside, that the blood, still works. I'm trying to leave that alone, but I wish I had somebody who knows how bad your past was. I can thank God that he covered you up. Yes, he did. And every once in a while, I take a look under the covers and I thank God me. Every once in a while, I take a look under the cover. I see my past, but I shout on my future. I see what I did, but I shout on what he did. I see where I was, and I thank God that can't nobody do me like Jesus. Can't nobody do me like the Lord. Is there anybody? that can help me close this sermon and stand on your feet think of one reason of how good God is and open up your mouth and give God praise and remind the devil I stole your job I stole your job you are bad worship leader but I stole your job and I got a praise on the inside that I can't keep to myself for what he brought you over and what he brought you through how he brought you out say yeah say yeah say yeah now clap your hands like the devil's heads between your hands clap your hands like the devil's heads between your hands say yeah. ah! Somebody just had a flashback on what God did for you. And I got a flashback, but I got a flash forward that though ye slay me, yet will I trust him. Is there anybody that wants to praise God? Say it! You only knew. If, you only knew. if you only knew, if you only knew, if you only knew, if you only knew, if you only knew that weed should have killed you, that fentanyl should have destroyed you, that alcohol should have destroyed your liver, that sex should have gave you AIDS, that STD should have killed you, that adultery should have destroyed you, that job loss should have took you out, COVID should have killed you. But these are they that have overcome by the blood of the Lamb. And my testimony Say uh, I got a story You got a story But the devil ain't gonna tell my story for me The devil ain't going to tell my story for me. Well, I'm going to tell it by myself. Because I was there. I did it. I said it. I participated in it. But I lived to tell the story of all that God has done for me. Do I have anybody who's some ride or die folk in the building that can give God glory? That I lived to tell the story. Depression should have destroyed you. Anxiety should have took you out. But I lived... To tell the story. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. So you are a Christian. You have power because of the blood. So walk into work tomorrow with your shoulders back because of the blood. Walk into school this week with your shoulders back because of the blood. Oh, I ain't got the degree behind my name, but I got the blood. I wish I had. I'm trying to leave that. I ain't got the last name, but I got the blood. I ain't got the car, but I got the blood. I ain't got the home, but I got the blood. I ain't got the mind, but I got the blood. And what can wash? Well, thank you for listening to the FNBC podcast. We pray the word of God reached you where you are to bring you where God needs you to be. If you're listening to this today, you don't have a relationship with Christ. We want to take a moment to bring you through the ABCs of salvation. The ABCs of salvation are simply admit, believe, confess, and demonstrate, and then we'll pray the prayer of salvation. Are you ready? First of all, we admit. We admit that we are sinners. We admit that we are sinners. That means I've done something or I am someone who's far from God. Sin is not this whole thing of sex, drugs, and alcohol only. Sin is literally saying, this is what has distanced me from the love of Christ. Today, I'm admitting that I've distanced myself from Christ's love and I want Christ's love in my life. Then number two, I admit and I believe. I believe in Christ. I believe that Christ can cleanse me of all unrighteousness and all of the sin in my life. And if you believe that, then thirdly, we confess. We confess our need for God. Writer of Romans tells us we confess with our mouth and believe in our hearts the Lord Jesus, we are saved. Today, if that's you confessing that, we are excited for you. And lastly, you demonstrate that. You demonstrate that the act of baptism and becoming a part of a local church, to grow and bloom and blossom to all God's called you to be. Allow me to pray for you if you are going down the steps of salvation. Just simply repeat after me, say, God, I come in Jesus' name. I admit I'm a sinner. I believe that you are God. I confess my need for you in my life. And today I will demonstrate that by giving my life over to you. Use me in your service and I will be there with you. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. I'm so excited. If you pray that prayer for the very first time, it's called the Prayer of Salvation. We would love for you to be a part of the work that God is doing wherever you are. If you're in California, we'd love for you to be a part of Friendship After Church. And If you're across the country, we'd love for you to be a part of whatever church you're a part of. No matter where you are, no matter what you do, we want you to be saved and be connected to the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're interested in learning more about Friendship, go to our website, befnbc.org. You can give us a call at 707-648-2005 or find us online at BEFNBC um, on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook and TikTok. Listen, have an amazing day. Know this, that God has smiled on you. You are somebody. Now go live into who you are. Have a great day.